Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. There's been no lack of stuff happening on the national and local scene over the past few weeks. For example, Congress raised the debt ceiling with a side of spending cuts, and the General Assembly approved a state budget for Illinois, and the governor signed it. So you might not have noticed how busy Congressman Michael Quigley's been these days. Well, stay tuned. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. District Congressman Mike Quigley was first sent to Capitol Hill in 2009. He established himself as an outspoken proponent for political reform as a member of the Illinois congressional delegation, just as he'd been an outspoken reformer on the Cook County board before that. His voice has been raised on issues from international affairs and Ukraine in particular as a longtime member of the House Intelligence Committee uh, to things like gun violence. And we're going to talk about those things and more in this half hour. And Congressman Mike Quigley, welcome back. It's great to be back. Thank you. It's been too long since we've spoken. So uh, let's, uh, well, you know, since we recently cleared the uh, unofficial start of summer, the Memorial Day weekend, with uh, sadly traditional violence in Chicago, uh, we should probably start by talking about guns, because uh, this past week you introduced or reintroduced, I should say, the TRACE Act for Trafficking Reduction and Criminal Enforcement. It's basically about curbing illegal gun sales. Take us through what it what it actually does. Sure, it's an evolution for me to, to try to get some things done addressing gun violence. I mean, last Congress I passed the NICS Act, and that required the the federal government to notify local law enforcement and prosecutors when someone who's not supposed to be able to buy a gun tries to, so they can prosecute them. And that got bipartisan support, and it passed. Uh, this year, I introduced reintroduced the Trace Act. And the idea, again, is to help prevent guns from getting into the wrong hands. Uh, It helps law enforcement trace guns that have been used in crimes. And it requires the gun dealers to do, uh, hopefully, a much, much better job of keeping track of their inventory. Uh, You know, by by expanding access to background check information and gun trace data, uh, the bill will allow local law enforcement to hold irresponsible gun dealers accountable. And again, these are important measures and they're doable, but I want folks to recognize, I understand um, in the end, we have to pass universal background checks. 
And in the end, we have to pass an assault weapon ban. Um, when I talk to the supporters of assault weapons, I, I'm, I'm just lost. I say, you're not defending your home with these, right? Or your business, because you never would. You're not going to hunt uh, with these. The only thing you hunt with assault weapons are people. Uh, so I think it's probably unlikely that we get to the assault weapon ban uh, when we're in the minority in the House. My hope is that uh, if the House flips, that the uh, extraordinary interest by the American people will support this. The vast majority of Americans want universal background checks. Heck, the vast majority of NRA card holders want background checks. So you'd think we'd be able to get that done. But, uh, you know, we're swimming upstream against a culture I have a hard time understanding. I'll say one thing. Uh, after the nightclub shootings a couple of years ago, I went to Crown Point, Indiana the following weekend to a gun show. And I thought that perhaps I wanted to understand it. Uh, I thought that perhaps they would have toned things down. But as I walked in, they sold us a one dollar raffle ticket. And the prize uh, was an assault weapon, and the proceeds went to the Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club. So obviously, uh, we're not even close to being on the same page with uh, much of America. Uh, in, indeed. And, and we still have uh, a, a nation where there's a patchwork of gun laws or, or no, no gun laws uh, around the country. And... How can we ever uh, see some kind of uniformity or a way to keep weapons out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them if this is, uh, you know, somebody in Chicago where we have strict laws can drive to Indiana or Wisconsin and buy whatever they want whenever they want? Sure, and as you know, covering the news every day, the uh, majority of guns picked up in crimes in Chicago by the police. Uh, are from states with much lax, much more lax uh, gun measures. So uh, my friend Robin Kelly, uh, as you know, representing the South Side and South Suburbs, has measures that deal with gun trafficking. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a task force, Fed's local task force, prosecuting gun crimes that's had some success. But on gun trafficking, there's there's no real law there. All they're able to really do is charge people with filing false paperwork. It's hardly what you want to, to take to combat here in addressing this scourge. Over Memorial Day, as, as you said, it was a, an extraordinary sad number of violent crimes using uh, guns and deaths as a result. Uh, You've heard of the Wilgham's Parade. I was there Monday morning for the Wilgham's Parade. Within, what, two blocks of that at Broadway and Surf and Broadway and Oakdale, there were shootings, one with an assault weapon. So uh, no neighborhood is immune from this. I think Chicagoans recognize that. Uh, the delegation from Illinois, uh, Democratic delegation from Illinois and Chicago are strongly in favor of these things. I believe if the bills got to the floor, they would pass. Um, because I think there's enough Republicans, 
not that many, but enough uh, that we could pass a, an assault weapon ban. Uh, it's just a question of the speaker putting the bill on the floor. Uh, what you might see, if uh, uh, make you upset even more, is uh, we're having a bit of uh, uh, civil war break out among the Republican ranks. Uh, the 11 or 12 shut down voting this week. One of the things they want um, is to put a bill on the floor that actually makes it easier to get guns. Uh, a pro-gun bill at a time in America where we're dealing with everything we're dealing with. So just a flavor of what we're addressing here during this crisis. I, I just have to ask, though, if the kinds of shootings that we have seen, and not just you know, people with mental issues um, firing on people, and that's enough, we've had enough of those, but also people shooting through their own doors, people shooting at their neighbors because they're angry about something. Uh, if that's not enough to change minds, and let's be honest, the Democrats had control of both houses of Congress for a while, and these things still, and it's not really, I mean, I should also admit, this is not a Democrat and Republican thing. Downstate Illinois is very different, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, than Northern Illinois. If that's not enough to change people's minds, can anything? Well, uh, two thoughts. Uh, first, um, I, I think Sandy Hook is the ultimate tragedy that tells me Maybe nothing changes minds of some folks, right? When you can wipe out kindergarten kids and not understand the need to change things. Uh, the next day, I saw President Obama and Michelle Obama uh, crying on national TV over the loss of these innocent kids. Uh, that concerns me that maybe nothing will change their minds. Uh, we did pass these measures in the House, and while we had a narrow majority in the Senate, uh, it, it's it's a unique body over there, and uh, you need a supermajority to do something pretty dramatic like this. So uh, we probably need 60-plus Senate votes to move something like this, uh, a much more dramatic thing like assault weapon ban. I think it's still possible, but it's far more likely to pass in the House. Um, I do want to move from uh, one bewildering topic to to another one in a different kind of way, and that's the debt ceiling. Uh, but people kind of understand why default, which would be a result of uh, not raising the debt ceiling, they kind of understand that it's bad. I think what people really don't understand is why is this an annual fight? I mean, who needs this standoff where everybody agrees the consequences are awful? Sure, the consequences, just to, to list a few, uh, uh, would erase millions of jobs, trigger a recession, devastate retirement accounts, increase borrowing costs, collapse world markets. <clears throat> so, right, we have to do this, and why do we put ourselves in this place? I mean, obviously, we got to this point, the brinksmanship point this time, because of political reasons. Uh, in, in my lifetime, the debt ceiling has been raised uh, about 74 times, uh, and most of the, the majority of those times were under a Republican president. 
18 times under President Reagan, three times under President Trump. The debt uh, went up $8 trillion under President Trump. And he himself said, I, I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt scene as a negotiating wedge. And I, I guess it's different when he's not in charge. So, uh, and we have to remember that a third of our debt comes from the Bush tax cuts and uh, their continuation and the Trump tax cuts, which grew the economy about 1% and helped about 1.5% of the American people. So given that, why are we here? Uh, there are Republicans and Democrats who favor flipping this and saying that the debt will raise because those are obligations unless we affirmatively act. That will take away the brinksmanship which hurts us. And I would say it's important for people to recognize that it's evidence of our inability to govern. Um, and I think that hurts us in our standing with the rest of the world, our ability to get things done and unite. It hurts us in our competition with China and in our conflict with, with Russia. So uh, we need to get past that. And uh, as someone who was in favor of a Simpson Bowles effort to address the debt and the deficit, uh, uh, I'll, I'll work with you on that too, folks. But we can't be so irresponsible. Uh, you and I can't unilaterally say, well, we're not going to pay our mortgage this month because we're unhappy about something. You pay your existing obligations and then you address the debt and deficit uh, on a long-term basis. Overall, how, how are things going in this, uh, this current divided Congress? Uh, uh, you know, people have the impression that nothing's getting done. That's not necessarily true, but is enough getting done? Yeah, uh, look, we've had divided government for quite a while. Um, it's still possible to get things done. Uh, a year ago, December, I passed the Act for ALS bill, which is a game changer on how we handle neurodegenerative diseases. A number of other appropriation measures we were able to pass. Uh, those who watched the Tiger King, I watched the, I passed the Big Cat Safety Bill, uh, and I'm convinced that this year I'm going to pass uh, a bill that deals with classified documents and their mishandling. Currently, as we saw, former presidents and vice presidents don't seem to know how to handle these incredibly important documents, putting our national security at risk. So uh, I prepared legislation and I'm working on it with uh, Mr. LaHood uh, that will provide civil penalties to at least provide some uh, effort at encouraging people to act responsibly. But uh, we'll, and we, got, we got the debt ceiling down. We shouldn't have been in that position. It tells me that when things get to their absolute point, uh, we can act. During COVID, uh, we passed a number of critical measures that saved the economy and many Americans and most businesses on a bipartisan basis. There's some hope out there, but this recent effort uh, is the most troubling one. It's about 11 or 12 Republicans. Given the narrow majority in the House, the problem is uh, they have disproportionate influence over the speaker. To become speaker, he had to agree to uh, allow a rule change where only a handful of them can oust him. 
or call for a new vote for speaker. And that gives them disproportionate power that the founding fathers never conceived of. Um, think about it this way. This isn't the tail wagging the dog. It's the tip of the dog's tail uh, wagging the body politic. And I, I think it's why you saw things like uh, the speaker talking about uh, not having a supplemental for Ukraine. Uh, and they shut down votes this week. We didn't vote yesterday. We're now voting today. The day before, a procedural vote to move a Republican bill forward failed. Uh, the majority leader, Mr. Scalise, voted against it. And I frankly can't tell you how we move forward next week. I, I don't know how we're going to fund government now that we did the debt ceiling if the Republicans can't pass everyday legislation because of those uh, small number. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Ukraine in just a second. You are listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Democratic Congressman Michael Quigley of Chicago. Um, how concerned are you that some in Congress are growing tired of the ongoing war in Ukraine, that it's that just weary and wanting to see either aid reduced or slowed down? Um, I'd say that in a normal Congress, I'm not as concerned as, as you might imagine. And that is when uh, Speaker McCarthy talked about not doing another supplemental, uh, Chairman McCall, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, and many other Republicans immediately spoke out and said how he was wrong. Uh, and if there was a supplemental through a continuing resolution or any number of means, I promise you it would pass overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate. The support is still there, uh, but uh, not leaning on it too much. It's just a fact. The, there's only 11 co-sponsors on the measure calling for the end of U.S. support for Ukraine. But it, again, it is the farthest right extremist who, because they can, they force Speaker McCarthy there. So any war, any conflict has its limits of uh, support and how long people will be there. My answer to that is to listen to what uh, President Zelensky said when I was in Ukraine last year and when he came here. Yeah, he said, help us win quickly. Secretary Austin said, we need to act with the speed of war. So let's give them exactly what they need to, to move. Uh, they've done extraordinarily well, and we're starting to see the beginnings of that long-awaited counteroffensive. Uh, it won't be easy, but what? This is the week we, we celebrated the anniversary of D-Day. And ironically, this is when the counteroffensive is beginning. Can you imagine if somebody in Congress had said, well, maybe we don't want to fund the Second World War so much on D-Day? So uh, we have to recognize that now's not the time to give Putin hope. Uh, now's the time to show Putin that our uh, United NATO, United West is going to continue to be there because he is counting on those 11 or 12 radical far-right uh, extremists uh, to make it difficult. He wants to wait this out uh, because he has long-term plans, not just for Ukraine, but for Eastern Europe. I want to uh, turn to another uh, area 
that's also fraught with tensions, and that's uh, uh, around China and Taiwan, uh, among other things. China has, and, and as you know, the two are related. Uh, yes, because yes, indeed, Beijing, I assure you, is is watching uh, not just the U.S. but Western unity and resolve, and I think they were surprised not just at how successful Ukraine was, but how strong uh, NATO was in its uniformity of support. So uh, Beijing is watching this uh, with an eye on Taiwan. And and how concerned should we be that uh, things there, which have been in the saber-rattling uh, class, if I if I'm looking at it correctly, uh, could become something more like an armed conflict. Well, a cold conflict gets hot in a hurry. Uh, you, you've read reports of uh, aggressive behavior by Chinese uh, uh, air, air and naval uh, equipment. Um, wars happen. Conflicts arise because of mistakes, misunderstandings. Uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, President Kennedy passed out a book by Barbara Tuckman, uh, The Guns of August. He highlighted a section in there uh, about how the First World War started. Brilliant history. And uh, when it was all over and millions were dead, uh, they were asked, how did this all begin? And someone wrote, if we only knew. Uh, Kennedy was warning about those perilous times and the concerns they have. But someone can misread a situation. Uh, so as you mentioned, the saber rattling can, can spark something. Long term, I uh, believe China will invade Taiwan. The, the question is when. Uh, if I had to get, make an educated guess, uh, the only reason they haven't is they feel like they're not ready yet. Um, I I don't know if uh, that has changed in their minds. I do think that the resolve uh, has given them pause, uh, the Western resolve to protect Ukraine. Uh, but it's a wake-up call for us all. Look, I'm the liberal... Democrat from Chicago, and I'm touring plants to see if we have 100, enough 155 millimeter shells to deal with conflicts and uh, other weaponry. The world's a dangerous place right now. Diplomacy's uh, first, second, and third choices here. We have to continue that. But uh, what we've learned is um, what did, again, the anniversary of D Day makes me look back at some of the things that happened then. Um, my favorite presidential addresses are all the shortest, uh, and FDR's last inaugural was one of the shortest uh, inaugural speeches in American history. Um, I, I think it's given what FDR did fighting the isolationists leading up to that war and, and getting us through a depression and the war, it's instructive to hear what he said. He wrote, uh, we have learned that we cannot live alone at peace, that our own well-being is dependent on the well-being of other nations far away. We've learned that we must live as men, not as ostriches. And finally, he quoted Emerson saying, uh, the only way to have a friend is to be one. The world is interconnected, and we have to engage. Uh, if the isolationism and extreme nationalism of Trump didn't teach us anything, 
It's that we're all interconnected. We need each other. If you want to handle the next pandemic or conflict or economic downturn uh, or climate change better uh, or deal with aggression from anyone, you, you better be good friends and working together because we're going to need each other. Uh, and that's the watchwords of today. Uh, and if we do that, we'll be okay. But it's a, it's a scarier time than it was just a few years ago. And talking about needing each other, uh, that lets us look at the, uh, the southern border of the U.S. Uh, and what can be done about the crisis at that border, especially without meaningful immigration reform? Uh, do you see any solutions or, or heightened concerns? Sure. Uh, look. Secure the borders, as President Obama used to say, but uh, help those who are coming into our country. <laughs> I think President Biden struck a good balance here, trying to do this in a coordinated way. We have a lot more to do to help our migrant friends and secure the border. But uh, what, what you mentioned is absolutely critical. We came really close to passing comprehensive immigration reform. We need it in, a, as, in our in our minds and our hearts. It's the right thing to do. It's the smart thing to do. It grows the economy. It makes us a better country. Um, again, we had, had Speaker Ryan and Speaker Boehner in the last decade allowed the bill to go on the floor. We'd be living under that law. And the second thing, and I think you sort of touched on it, it's, it's, uh, it goes beyond securing the border. It's dealing with the conflicts where they are, right? Uh, how do you sort out the crisis for which people understandably are fleeing in Central America? And again, that's diplomatic efforts and economic efforts. So uh, it's again, engaging with uh, allies and those that aren't our allies to try to sort these issues out, to stem the tide uh, so that people aren't desperate to flee. Uh, John Lewis said it best, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, we all came in different ships to get to this country, uh, but we're in the same boat now. Uh, and we better understand that and appreciate uh, how we got here and how we need each other, as you say, more than ever. Is there any solution to how politics ends up derailing some of the efforts for people getting together? Because you've got states like Texas uh, and Florida helping Texas. Uh, move people, and admittedly, they're 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 pressured there too, uh, and sending them to other areas. Is there anything that Congress can do to keep well, people from being used as pawns? Yeah, I think it's a larger picture of the toxic nature of of where we are, the polarized nature of our country, and you can get philosophical about this. But in the end, it's, it's, we're going to need that to address these issues and to begin to care about each other. You just referenced shooting people through doors. Uh, we're aware of people getting shot because they're wearing a hoodie uh, and this crazy stand your ground notion of extremism. Uh, in the final analysis, uh, I was in the room when January 6th happened and I had people tell me, well, I was angry. <laughs> you know, uh, it's okay to be angry, but there's constructive ways to carry that out. Uh, I don't know if this is a philosophical issue where we have to start addressing it, 
how we get our news, uh, how we reflect that, understanding basic civics uh, again as a country, um, and and how our leadership talks about it. Look, I believe President Trump poured gasoline on a fire that was already there of hatred and and polarization that took place that takes place in this country today. Um, but you know. The last time you could say we were this polarized was the Civil War, and our leader then uh, was was speaking about uniting with malice toward none, with charity for all, uh, a new birth of freedom. Uh, at the worst points in American history, he was talking unity and and caring for each other and moving forward together. So, uh, if you ask what Congress can do, it's tr at least try to be the messenger in that vein. And to try to act accordingly, and um, you know, for a long time I was going through metal detectors to get on the House floor, not to protect me from outsiders, but from from my colleagues. So we got a ways to go. Uh, indeed. Well, and you have a ways to go. I know you're leaving this conversation and uh, heading to the airport. Uh, so I will uh, wish safe travels to you. Uh, that is Congressman Mike Quigley uh, of Chicago, Democrat. Uh, to our listeners, if you uh, want a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.